Oh, look at what we get to run in. Look at the rock formations. I want to be careful because I tend to fall when I'm not focusing. But it is amazing. For me, this ultra skill, the, these ultra running is all about breaking down problems, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you know, everyone talks about aid station to aid station. Everyone talks about repeat loops without knowing the end. And and I, I apply a lot of that to when I ha hit a problem at work. What's the next step? What's the next step? What's the next step? But as humans, we have the capability to really dig deep and find that. Like a, my example, right? Mostly is. Less than an hour and a half of sleep over four nights is not easy, but you have to be clear on your why. I had a very clear why. That's Hima Mukamala, and I'm your host, Santosh Shiva. Welcome to another episode of Ranogi Diaries. Thank you all for continuing to support this channel and watching these episodes. It means a lot to all of us. You know, the first time I heard about Hima, it was through an article a friend of mine had shared about his journey in the Moab 240. That's 240 miles of foot racing. I used to think 26.2 miles was a lot. Well, there are folks who are doing 240 miles of foot racing. So there is, I don't know what the limit is, right? We get to talk to Hima about why he pursues these seemingly challenging adventures. He is a successful C-level executive in the tech industry. How does he balance training, family, and work pressures? How does he prepare and train for these kind of events? And uh, finally, what is his next big adventure? Let's dig in. Hi, Hima. Welcome to Run Yogi Diaries. Hey, Sandesh. How's it going? <laughs> going good. You know, um, I was looking at the meaning of Himagri just before we got into this uh, conversation and Himagiri is another name for Himalayas. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so you're, you're, you're literally and metaphorically towering above all of us. <laughs> I mean, the way I look at it, uh, I'll tell you one more funny story. The name of my new company is Pelion and it's a mountain in Greece. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my friends joke because I always like to be scaling, running on some mountain or the other. So, yeah, no, it's a, it's a challenge. That's how I look at it. <clears throat> and it's the strength you get from, you know, being on one and being part of a mountain. So, yeah. yeah. So, so your parents just got the right name for you. That's all That's all <laughs> yeah. they can say. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I did ask them, why did you name me like this? And there's no relevance between my brother's name, who's older than me and mine. And they're like, no, there's no reason. <laughs> awesome. So, hey, you know, uh, I'd like to maybe have a quick introduction from your side, Hima, and then we'll <laughs> jump in. Sure. Um, so, like, um, we were talking, so I professionally... I'm a CEO of, a, um, I wouldn't say an early stage company, but we were part of ARM. Um, we got divested into a company called Pillion, around 400 or 350 employees. It's an IoT connected device company uh, and a subsidiary of ARM and SoftBank. So that's professionally. 
went through somewhat a similar journey, you know, college in India, grad school, Silicon Valley relocation, and then growing from an engineer to a CEO. Um, so that that's my journey, and 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 somehow in midst of all of this, ultra running became part of it. That's amazing, amazing. Uh, you know, we definitely want to get into how you managed to be a senior executive in an extremely competitive industry, manage, uh, you know, being an ultra runner. And I'm sure um, your family is out there in the middle of all this. How are you managing? All? We'll, we'll definitely want to uh, talk a little, little bit about that. How, you, how do you create balance in these multiple big priorities you have, right? Yeah. Sure. I mean, I, I come from traveling 70, 80% of my time and was able to manage uh, putting the miles that were needed. So <laughs> it is an interest. It is, it is, you know, it all boils down to, yeah, how do you find the time? Yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely. So let's start from the beginning, Hima. You know, uh, how did it all get started for you? Uh, the whole fitness running journey. Yeah, uh, you know, sometimes and I'll talk about the events that happened that and there's like three or four things that got me into this. I mean, growing up and I grew up in a small village in uh, Andhra, uh, Andhra Pradesh in India, you know, sports were part of it, but, uh, you know, was not passionate about it, played team sports mostly, or maybe a little bit of ping pong, basketball, never running, mm -hmm. right? Um, so when I uh, moved to Bay, uh, US, uh, played basketball, continued the team sports. I think there were three or four events that I, that I think triggered my ultra running journey or my running journey. If you look at 2004, that's when my stress level started peaking, you know, being as more responsibilities as an engineer. So I started with like three mile runs on a treadmill. That was where I started. And I used to be so happy about those three, three mile runs on a treadmill, um, you know, three times a week and so on. The second event that sort of triggered it and it's a little bit personal, um, I want to bring awareness to this also. A um, lot of, if you look at the number of Indians who sign up for bone marrow transplants that is essential for cancer patients, it's very low. Very low compared because there's a little bit of stigma. So in 98, when a friend of mine, his brother's kid, uh, unfortunately got this, I signed up for uh, being a bone marrow. In 2007, I got matched. And, and so I ended up uh, donating for an anonymous patient. Uh, and um, at that time I was also living in China. I used to go back and forth between China and Bay Area. There was a little bit of complication that came out of it, but that uh, after the, the procedure, I got into a little bit of mental stress, sitting on a plane for so long because I used to travel back and forth every two weeks between China and you and the Bay Area. And, and uh, so I was trying to find something that would bring some mental uh, strength back to me, a peace to me. And so that was the second event that uh, sort of triggered me into getting into running. But at that time I wasn't thinking, okay, a long runs, right? I was still thinking, I wanna live a healthier lifestyle. lifestyle. I wanna um, relieve some of the stress that's happening and the mental sort of st stress that I was going through. So that got started. And I think I ran my first half marathon February 2010, mm -hmm. right? That's where I thought, I, and I told myself, I'm not running anything more than marathon, that's stupid. Why would I spend to run a 26 mile run? 
And so that was my uh, pivot into running as something that I would do. Um, yeah, and then, um, you know, we, I, can extra, <laughs> I can get into how I got into the ultra side of it. Yeah, no, we, we should. And um, so this was what, in your, you were uh, in your mid-30s when you, when you started? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, it was exactly by um, um, 34, 35 you know, when, when uh, I got into like the half marathon, the first half marathon was 2010. I think that was like, yeah, that was a 30, uh, 36. Yeah. So did you continue doing, um, you know, going into marathon, full, full marathons after that? And, you know, did you uh, continue yeah. pushing on that? Yeah. So I'm a very goal oriented person. So I look at, okay, this, I'm doing this, what next, what next? And so I did like 10 or 11 half marathons. And then uh, 2014, I think after three years and a half, I said, okay, the next goal is a full marathon. So my first one was uh, Las Vegas. Uh, it's one, I don't know if, you, if you've heard about it, they do it, it starts at 9 p.m. or yeah. something, you know, our time for a full marathon. And so that was my first one. And then as soon as I started doing it, then I got hooked on it, like the longer distances. So I've done four, five of the world marathon majors. I'm left with London, which I'm hoping to do next year. So we'll see. So I moved to the full marathons. And then I was thinking, what next? Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's when I started my first uh, 50K. Um, it's, a, it's a race called the Ohlone 50K. But this is, again, my philosophy of how I look at races. Start with the toughest one <laughs> because then on it becomes easy. This was a 50K, 8K elevation um, and really uh, heat, everything gets to you. And so I picked that and I said, okay, let me check out this thing called ultra marathons. I keep hearing about because I was trying to figure out what after 26.2. And so it was a simple pivot for me, the way I think mm -hmm. about why I got into it. Okay, I've done marathons. What's the next incremental sort of goal? Um, I found happiness being out there running. Mm. For me, running is about happiness. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, I find that uh, inner happiness as, as soon as I get on a trail or a road. And, and so it made me happy. And I wanted to continue to find that for a longer time. I felt like half marathon gave me that for like less than two hours. You get faster at it. So I was trying to see what can I get to, to give me the longer periods of happiness that last me for the next week or the next two weeks and so on. And then it also goes back into, maybe we'll touch on this. It made me better professionally, mm -hmm. right? My leadership style has evolved a lot. Um, and so for me, running is a big part of my leadership style and I learn a lot. And, and so these are the three sort of things that sort of said, okay, the next goal and then got into ultras. That's terrific. So full marathons itself, did you, um, you know, when I was, when I run my full marathons, I felt at mile 23, why am I doing this? You know, I'm not going to do another one. And I have done some 24 after that. And I still continue to do full marathons. But so how was it for you? Was full marathon, was it something like, you know, you finish the marathon and you're like, there's so much left in your tank and you're wondering, I should be doing another 50 more miles. And that's why you went into ultras or you're like, just wanted to push yourself. I mean, like you said, you're a goal oriented guy. And is that what is primarily 
driving your decision to move to ultras i think you are right like all of us hit that wall 23 mile or 26 mile and you're beat up um and so for me it was not like okay i have a lot more energy left because at that point i was not fit to have that kind of energy left to go beyond that right so but it was more the latter that you talked about in terms of okay i've done this what next and and then you had to get to that uh, fitness so that you feel like you have more than a 26 mile effort and and i mean some people are, are exceptions who can get to that very quickly but you know mm-hmm. for me i believed i needed the time put the time in to get from 26.2 in a reasonable uh, you know time frame or finish time and then get to um, the ultra journey cuz you know this it's very different uh, you know what muscles you exert from a road race to the climbing that is there in a in an ultra so it took time yeah terrific great so you pivoted you started the first 50k which you said was a tough one and did you then go to a 100 miler because i want to get into the 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 highlight the headline that got you uh you know uh, at least how i noticed your name was your moab 240 which is it's crazy you know it's a different domain a different realm but we'll get to that but did you do another 100 or something before that or you just kind of jumped into hey let me just do the moab 240 now <laughs> how how did that happen you know one of the things i'll tell i tell the ultra runners who come talk to me and we have a very good community called the shades out in the bay area there's like 300 200 of us i was surprised to find there were so many indians actually do a lot of uh, ultra running in the bay area but now it's more inclusive and we have a lot of other people you know it is a journey you have to take you know there are exceptions where people go from like uh, 50 to uh, 200 miler um, but for me i took the journey of did a bunch of 50k's maybe four or five got comfortable with being out there and the elevation gain um did a 50 miler uh, but i didn't do a lot of them so i i i wanted to get comfortable with that journey right cuz ultras are all about are you comfortable being out there for such a long time are you comfortable with uh, uh, putting in that much of elevation and you don't need 10 of those right you do a couple of them that are hard enough <clears throat> you know what you're going to hit yeah. and so i did a couple of 50 milers i did a couple of 100k's um and then i did uh, a couple of 100 100 miler uh, that's an organized race and then uh, the big one right mm-hmm. so so i wouldn't say a lot of races in between but for sure i made sure i uh, i i experienced what it would be okay So 2014 you did your first full marathon right yeah. Yeah. and it's 2020 in 6 years you went from 26.2 to 10 times that in terms <laughs> of distance so so tell us about what were you doing were you like how did this come about how did you get inspired to take on something as big as a moab 240 again it go it it um it goes back to uh, this group right ultra the reason why i love the ultras it's it's a community you know the community looks after each other they're supportive of each other so like um it doesn't snow a lot in the bay area but uh, there's a couple of peaks there's one called mission peak where one day i was coming back and i think it was december it snowed up there um and it was one of the most perfect runs that i could have ever had 
And then I ran into a friend of mine and I, we started chatting. It was not my friend then, but we, and he's brought up this community of uh, runners. I, I, so he introduced me to that group. And so Niloy, who was a runner in that group, uh, needed a pacer for Bigfoot, which is a different 200 miler by the same awesome destination trails, right? Uh, they are the ones who organize these three long runs. So he ran that last year. He was looking for a pacer. <clears throat> and this was, I think, a month or a couple of weeks after my UTMB run. <laughs> but I said, okay, I'm going to pace you. Um, and so I paced him. And then being out there, you know, for me, felt like, okay, I like the distance. I like uh, the, uh, the, the environment that you run in. I like the scenery. And I like the organization. So I, I signed up for, this was last year, I signed up for Tahoe 200, which is a 200 miler in Tahoe, Bigfoot 200. I had not signed up for Moab because I thought 240 is stupid. <laughs> 200 is reasonable, 240 is stupid. That was my mindset. But then everything got canceled. And then uh, when Moab got confirmed and Nila was already in, I said, okay, let me put my name in the wait list. Uh, and I signed up for pacing and crewing him. Luckily I got in um, and um, uh, as I knew that there would be a chance of pacing him or getting into the race, I was continuing my mileage through the pandemic. Um, I think I ran like 42 or 43 consecutive half marathons every day. Um, wow. And, and uh, so I knew I would, one of these races would come through. And so I was trying to keep myself uh, ready for it. And so, yeah, so that's how I got in. And, and um, yeah, so that's how uh, Niloy and I started to, and then we did a couple of tra training runs. Like we did a 150 mile training run to get us ready for it. Uh, that was self-supported. So that, that's how it got started. But then <laughs> there was a lot more to actually getting there and doing it. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And I think uh, you also answered in a way your approach to training. So 43 half marathons every day, that's that's quite a bit of uh, volume of running, right? Yeah. And, and you also have done a 150 mile uh, self-managed you know self uh, managed training run. That's another. So I guess that also answers the question in terms of what does it take to get there? But I do have one question on training. Now, what about how are you making sure that you are not getting injured and uh, how are you staying healthy? Because this is a lot of stress on your body. And um, so what are your, what is your approach to that? Are you following any particular method or uh, do you have a, if you have a coach for this, how do you go about it? You know, what, uh, I don't have a coach. Um, so for me, it's all about uh, leaning on friends, leaning on uh, call, uh, community to figure out what works best and, and so on. For me, training is all about how do you get ready for the challenges which you're going to see mm -hmm. and getting used to those challenges um, before you get there. Mm -hmm. um, and so for Moab, I, I think the uh, before I get into like how I train and, and, and injury prevention, you know, we had to uh, really, Nila and I needed to get to a long stretch because ultras, a four-day ultra is all about not pace so much, but it's about time on the feet and, and subjecting your body to lack of sleep and the continuous elevation up again and loss that you have to put through. So, so that's what we had to put together uh, a training plan. And, and 
doing that with, you know, with the challenges of pandemic and work and so on. And then luckily between Tarna and uh, Kaushik, we had like a couple of the best pacers and crew we, we could get. And so they helped a lot uh, you know, in, in getting through it. But coming back to my training, I, I, you know, I'm 47. The way I think about it, I'm trying to maximize my distance and how much, how long I can run, and also trying to maximize how many more years I can put on on my feet. And so I don't. When I was running marathons, I would shoot for 330, 320, and so on, and I got close to like 330. That was my best. But now I'm looking more at, and I feel like that uh, increased mechanical sort of uh, stress on that comes with speed is the one that causes more repetitive injury, uh, motion injuries. So one thing I'd make sure is focus on, uh, on the distance, focus on uh, t- giving the body that space to recover from it, from, from, from the stress you put on it. And so for me, that, that holistic view of how I look at uh, training to enable me to uh, continue to run longer, and I have a stressful, you know, a busy work day. And so I want to make sure, you know, uh, I do the half marathon and then I'm able to go back to work either the rest of the day or the next day. So that's how I've looked at uh, balance is making sure the injury thing doesn't impact you. The, the other, but from a recovery, you know, I've been to, uh, injured. My ankle has sprained. My back has given up. The social, the trauma is a, is a good and bad. You know, uh, you you see all your friends continuing to put the mileage and so on, and you are stressed out trying to come back as quickly as possible. You know, the ultras are all about it's your journey; it's not competition, mm-hmm. right? It's it, and so that's one of the things I've told myself, and I continue to focus. And again, it helps me in my professional life. Focus inwards, focus on your journey versus trying to think about how much mileage others are putting in. Uh, you know, and, and it will, it'll ca- ca- you'll catch up, right? So take the time to recover. And that's something which I've continuously forced on not to rush recovery. Okay. So let's talk about that. So 43 half marathons back to back every day. That, that's, that's by itself a huge feat of endurance, right? So do you run, uh, like, for example, there are methods like Maffeton method, low heart rate methods. Are you following some of that to keep yourself you know, uh, injury free. And the other thing is immunity, right? Because if you're at, at these volumes of running, how do you uh, make sure you are healthy? You're not catching a bacterial infection. So then nutrition becomes important. So I'm sure you're doing something right in, in, in your recipe. There's a framework you have. So let's, let's talk about that. Like, what are you doing right? There's something you're doing right in terms of both recovery. What are you doing for recovery and nutrition? Because if somebody wants to do this and, uh, and they want to follow your recipe, uh, you know, what would be those few things that they can take away? You know, I've, I've not followed someone's uh, practice of uh, like, what's your diet? What's your running? Right. What's your, what do you recover? And so on. So I'll tell you what I follow. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So for me, it's been more a simplistic, uh, as humans, we tend to complicate everything. And so I take a very simple view of it, right? When I was running marathons, uh, when I set that goal of going for 42 or 44, the only thing I told myself was, I, um, I'm i going to run at a pace where I don't feel like I'm exerting myself. So mm-hmm. speed was not a concern at all. And it, for some days when I felt good, I would run it in 
less than two. If I didn't feel good, I would go to a little more than two, right? So I had this uh, sort of um, uh, spectrum that I would want to hit to. So for me, that was a big part of uh, making sure um, I'm able to recover quickly for the next day. Right. Uh, the second one was the only sort of equipment I said I would have used is this uh, compression, um, I forget the brand name, uh, but the compression uh, uh, socks. Socks, not the socks plus the, the uh, leg compressions, right? They come okay. all. Um, and uh, I think there's a company called Hyperese or something that man mm -hmm. manufactures them. And so every day I would finish my run, come back, put them on, and spend 45 minutes getting a massage. Um, mm -hmm. And so that was one thing that I uh, that I used. The third one, which um, I'm guilty of, a lot of the fuzz are guilty of, is I used to sleep four to five hours a day before, right? Mm. Before I started this. When I started the run, because of immunity, because of recovery, I told myself, it's not a lot, but I was consistently giving myself six to six, at least six hours of sleep. And, and um, I was tired enough that I would have to do the six hours of sleep. Mm -hmm. and, and so I would say those are the three main things. I didn't follow a diet. The only thing I take as a supplement is, and this seems to have helped me a lot, is uh, turmeric. Sure. I used to get a lot of inf uh, infections, um, especially when I was running and then just cold, right? Luckily, over the last two years since I've done this and increased my mileage, turmeric seems to be have some benefit uh, that, uh, again, I'm not, um, I'm not deeply read into it. It could be, have, mm -hmm. be having a placebo effect, but yeah. it seems to help me. So, so that, that, that's what it is. And, and I would advise, I tell this to people, and it's not just running, it's very professional also, mm -hmm. you know, Simplify things. We uh, we tend to complicate our problems, and then you know we might touch on this. For me, this ultra skill, the these ultra running is all about breaking down problems, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you know, everyone talks about eight station to eight station. Everyone talks about repeat loops without knowing the end. And and I, I apply a lot of that to when I ha hit a problem at work. What's the next step? What's the next step? What's the next step? And my recovery is also tied to uh, tied to that. I'm not trying to, okay, I want to get to this large segment immediately. Right, right. No, makes sense, makes sense. And it's like organically, you know, yeah. do what's, what's right to the next level. But at the same time, I think uh, what's important to note is that you are using some good practices yeah. in the process, even if it is unconscious. Yeah. Uh, you know, you probably also eating healthy already, you know, you're yeah. not, uh, because inflammation is also a function of bad food. Yeah. And if you're putting yourself to this level of uh, training, obviously what you're putting into your body has been good. That's why yeah. it's also worked. And so great. No, th those are, those are terrific, terrific um, thoughts. Now, zooming into the event itself, yeah. like the Moab 240, you know, the first time I heard of Moab 240, I was like, is that even possible for humans to run that far? Uh, I had a client who did that. Uh, he lives in Bay Area about a couple of years back. And I was like, wow. And so here I am talking to you. Uh, and it's amazing. So congratulations. It's, it's, a, it's a great uh, achievement. I was reading that the total elevation gain in Moab is about 20, 29,000 feet. Yeah, yeah. And that's like Mount Everest. That's, cli that's like climbing Mount Everest. I had a guest last week who 
actually summited Mount Everest, and yeah. she uh, so we we it was like twenty nine thousand feet. So that that is amazing. That's just amazing. So let's hear about it. Let's hear about the event itself. How was it yeah. for you? Um, it's funny that uh, when uh, we stopped the watch Koros that you and I have. The elevation of Moab came out to two nine zero two nine. It's exactly the elevation of Everest, and it was so coincidental. Uh, and so when Niloy stopped, this, my I ran out of power because I didn't charge it, and and um, I'll tell you why is the story. But he stopped it, and he's like, "It's two nine zero two nine, which happens to be, but it, it is, um, it is. Uh, so elevation is a big part of it, and it's not, uh, you know." If you, you know when you do the ultra running, there's part of it which is about ups and downs and and, and getting to thirty thousand feet. I did my last hundred miler uh, uh, was in Whistler, um, British Columbia. That was actually thirty two thousand feet. Hundred miler thirty two thousand feet, but the max elevation on that was uh, five thousand feet, probably max of it. The the thing that's different about Moab was um, it it hits. Um, a max of 10,500 uh, in the La Salle mountain. So elevation, altitude plays a big role. And that was one of my lowest, lowest points uh, that uh, I'll get to. So uh, like, I, like we discussed, said, talked earlier, got into the race. Um, and then uh, the next challenge was finding these pacers. And so ended up finding Kaushik. And I, it's again, the story of ultra running, right? It's all about community. This friend of mine, Taruna, she and I went to college together. I wrote about this in my blog. We haven't talked in like last 26 years. And then I know she's a hiker. I reached out to her and said, hey, do you want to come uh, pace for us? And she said, yes. Right? She had never run an ultra. She had never run a marathon. And, wow. and there she ended up pacing us for, uh, I think, 80 miles. Wow. In the race. And same with Kaushik. He had run a hundred miler the week before. He came in and then he paced us for hundred miles in this race. And so we found the right pacers. Um, and, and so we uh, just talking through the race. It was a good start for me. I was feeling healthy. I was feeling strong. The first two days, um, unusually hot weather. Um, and there was probably 35% of the race dropped out in the first two days. Uh, and Moab. Uh, and... Uh, Luckily, I was hydrating well. I slept zero hours in the first three nights, if I remember. And so for me, uh, there was a goal I had, uh, which was probably not a good idea in the going in, to go as long as I could without sleeping. That I wanted to just explore that side of my capability. And so the third night had um, um, one of the longest, the third month, the the. Uh, Second morning, uh, second night had the longest uh, climbs um, and it got to around 8,500 elevation. So without sleeping second night, by the time I finished my third morning, I knew it's gonna cause a dent in my uh, you know, effort in the, in, the, in the next section. So got through the third uh, day okay, but then uh, we hit the La Salle mountains at 10,500 feet um, on the fourth uh, night, right? So that by that time I had only slept um, maybe an hour and a half uh, or so, and this is like the pivotal point, right? This was, we are at around 160 miles by then, uh, and then so the next 40 miles uh, there is almost 10,000 feet of gain at that elevation, no sleep, and I could see that my mind is basically telling my body to shut down, 
and and luckily we had uh, kausha had kaushik who was pulling me through that and this section that uh, last 20 mile section at that 10500 elevation is pretty dangerous because it gets down to 20 uh, temperature of 20 and so they check for all your gear they tell you not to sleep on that trail because you could uh, get to go through hypothermia and that was when i was at my lowest right uh, niloy talks about how he was deeply worried for me trying to hang on to me if i fall down because there's a deep fall on one side and, and so but then you we were at the risk of losing uh, the cut off time and then we had a group meeting the three of us and said guys we got to do something and something went uh, went burnt uh, something turned on in my mind and i don't know what happened right it's one of those you always when you go through ultras you have those moments where you don't know what happened but the burst of energy comes in so it was four hours of the that uh, block the 20 mile block where uh, you know i felt i was hallucinating i was cold i felt like i was going around in loops but the only goal was get to the next aid station and we kept going so um so luckily uh, we got to the next uh, la- uh, the 200 mile mark uh, i think it's called the geezer pass aid station and uh, a couple of hours before the cut off and then we knew we could get to the rest of the 40 miles because that was mostly um, you know flat or downhill so I-, i think if i look at it you know i found some uh, you know what's my limits now i'm got i got to think through how do i get beyond those limits i found uh, how pacers and crew and team are so important and then just knowing uh, what's your boundary and then uh, regulating yourself to get through um, get through those phases right so mm-hmm. that that's how i would summarize my that journey i, I you know one thing i'll tell anyone is i'm not an extreme athlete you know uh, as in you know this is not my profession but everyone all of us have that inside of us when we set a goal and i i used to tell niloy um, there was only one phrase that we had quitting is not an option mm-hmm. right and i kept remind we kept reminding each other we can slow down we can take a break but for us the goal is important let's break it down and get to it terrific yeah absolutely i think uh, you know one is one is your pacer the story you're talking about uh taruna who's never run and she's pacing you that's just amazing i mean there was she must she must have good genes i mean it's not easy to do that so that that's terrific and she's a hiker and and, and sorry i had to put this in um same like similar to me she's now signed up for tahoe 200 for next year <laughs> <laughs> you you're a bad influence <laughs> you're getting a lot of people in trouble No that's that's amazing that's amazing and you know you talk about you know the whole mantra of not quitting and i think it also important to call to focus that while it's easy to say that there is a fundamental will power to honor your commitment at no cost i mean at all costs rather that keeps someone like you doing that because it's easy to say not to quit but you know and i know that you know there is it always happens to a lot of people especially when one is faced with difficult extremely painful circumstances yeah absolutely and it that that you know everyone talks about the why mm-hmm. right 
for me, if you know your why, it's it, then I'm not saying you know if it's gonna if you're gonna get into a really difficult situation if it's gonna affect your health and so on then you quit obviously right mm. but but as humans we have the capability to really dig deep and find that like a, my example right no sleep is two uh, less than an hour and a half of sleep over four nights is not easy but you have to be clear on your why I had mm. a very clear why. And every time I go into a race, and it doesn't change so much, right? Why I do my ultra running is very clear. And so if you have that clearly established to yourself, then you are absolutely right. It's easy to say quitting is not an option, but to honor that commitment, you you've put it really well. Honoring the commitment to yourself comes from the why, you know, for me, it was, there was the, the and we actually had a discussion, our pacers asked us, you know, why are you doing this? This was our journey, our 14 hour drive from the Bay Area to Moab. And, and, and so we all had to be clear on my why, on our whys. You know, for me, there's three main things. Running gives me happiness. You know, that is a big why of why I do this. For me, running is how I become a better leader because all the lessons learned, this iterative problem solving, all of that contribute to running a company and and honoring the commitment to the team that you have. Mm -hmm. The next one is for me, like all of us tend to sit in this cocoons of comfort and not finding those limits. No, I'm not saying go uh, skydive all the time or whatnot, but incremental Mm -hmm. limits that you have and finding those uh, next challenge and the next sort of uh, strength that you can find. And so for me, that's my other why. So finding those limits that you stretch beyond your comfort and those give, and each, every one of us have to find that why to honor that commitment to yourself. But, yeah. but I would tell that anyone who wants to do a 50 miler, 50 K hundred, doesn't matter when you want to go to the next goal, find your why. And the same thing applies to, if you want to find the next role, when someone comes to me and says, I want to be a manager, tell me why. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well said. And, I think just to add to what some of the the three main whys that you're talking about, especially pushing to uncomfortable zone, uncomfortable zones. Again, something very easily said. Everybody talks about it. It's the most misused terminology in the corporate world. Everyone wants to go to uncomfortable zones and grow. But I think running and ultras is a good ma- physical manifestation of that practice. And you can take that physical manifestation into a very abstract kind of jobs that you all, we all have, which is, you know, whatever we do, we can't show anybody we are in a comfortable zone or uncomfortable zone. <laughs> uh, it's a, right? So you, you, you've actually put it well, and I, you know, I haven't really thought about it that way, but it's, hard, it's easier to articulate that uncomfort zone in ultra running. And, and once you do that, then you can now easily see, you know, when I set my career path, you know, I had to go through these steps, but it wasn't clearly articulated that you go from uh, running an engineering team to running a PNL to becoming the CEO and the uncomfort between each of these. It's a good metaphor uh, of what you can see in work to uh, ultra running. Well, yeah. yeah, well put, well put. Yeah, terrific. Now, what about how do you, how are you managing, uh, how are you balancing your priorities, family? We haven't talked about your family. How does your family think about all this, first of all? 
You know, uh, I have two daughters um, and, and they gave me a book. Uh, it's somewhere here. So, yeah, they gave me a book. What I love about my dad for my last birthday. And I was laughing because um, a couple of things in here. Right. Uh, I, they wrote like, uh, what, what do they like? And so um, one of the pages says, I love remembering the time it took me to run my first half marathon. That's my 12-year-old, 16-year-old uh, who was 12 when she ran her first ma half marathon and she loved that remembrance. The other one was, I love that you gave me the courage to run. And, and then one more is love, uh, I love you dad because of your ability to run and work. So I'm so glad and lucky to have a family who see that this is such an important part of who I am and how much mm -hmm. passionate I am about this, that uh, they give me the freedom to to, I remember the story of, um, you know, I flew, because I used to fly 70, I used to fly 70% of the time. I came in one uh, late in the evening uh, or 1 a.m. something and 4 a.m. I was on Mission Peak running uh, with, uh, up, up and down. And so I think family, going back to family, right? Um, I like to use the word, uh, balance is such an overused word in my mind. Mm -hmm. The way I think about it is it's like your work, running and family integration. You know, you know this and being in a high tech space, we spend so much of the time, the boundaries are so sort of uh, super fluid, super fluous that I, I look at this as a more holistic approach. And, and um, so that way I don't, I used to be in the phase where I used to criticize myself on, am I doing too much? Am I spending so much time away from, and it was not nothing to do with running. Just work, right? I'm spending too much time away from family and so on. And what this has enabled me to show, to, to teach myself is make the time that you spend count and find that most amount of happiness, whatever time it is. Don't measure by, is it one hour, two hour? Because it always goes in, uh, it depends on what, what period of your life it is. So I'm happy to see my family uh, be supportive. There are days when... Uh, my wife would tell, go run, because she could see that I'm in, I'm in a stressful situation. She could read it from my face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, so that's how I see it, right? Integration of these yeah. three parts of it together. No, well said. I think if your family gets a better version of yourself in return, why yeah. wouldn't they send you out to run? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I completely hear that. And what about work? How are you able to squeeze in your practice runs and training uh, in, in a busy schedule. Now, of course, with pandemic, travel is down. So I'm sure uh, we have a little bit more time because of that. But otherwise, when the travel was at 70%, how are, you, how are we managing that? So one of, the th one of the things I like about running is all you need is a pair of shoes. And, and, and so everywhere I've gone, um, I made this habit of as soon as I land, I go for a run. Mm. Um, you know, that sort of uh, the, uh, and most of the time mine is international travel because my teams are in Europe. And, uh, and so that helps a couple of things, right? You know, it gets your blood flowing. And then also uh, the jet lag that would kick in, it's a big cure for that. And so, so that, if you, I made that as a rhythm that I stick to as much as possible or get on, do a run before I get on a plane, right? One of those two was what helped during travel. Mm -hmm. Like when I'm here now, uh, there are two, part, two parts of the day where I think it makes a lot of difference. You know, that end of the day is the best time for me to run because you've, so, you've accumulated so much stress during the day and, 
that sort of gives me the ability, especially when I can go run on a uh, mountain out here, it sort of frees your mind, breathing in air and sort of uh, meditating while you're running. And so I spend a lot of runs uh, time running in the evening or else what I do is um, I do a six, 5 a.m. early morning run that gives me that energy to get through all the stress that's going to, I know it's going to come through. So mm-hmm. look at my calendar. I'm going to see, is the day looking stressful? So let me just get out now so that I have the burst of energy that will sort of get me through the rest of the day. And but or else if my day seems starts at early in the morning, uh, I make it a point. So when I was running that 42, 43 half marathons, uh, I ran exclusively except for a day or two in the evenings. Okay. Right. So I would get out at like 6, 6.30. This was summer. So I had sunlight for a longer period of time. So I, I know going back to the earlier conversation, you make this a priority and make it integral from a holistic standpoint, you'll find the time. You'll prioritize it. If you think of it separately and then you think of balancing, then the, you lose the rhythm. And, and, and so, yeah, while traveling, it was a good way for me to be healthy and get the blood flowing. Yeah, no, no, that that makes that makes a lot of sense. I think uh, it's really. I think what I'm hearing is really one is making sure this is a priority. You will get it done, and you're planning the day in such a way that you are addressing all the priorities in a kind of holistic fashion. You know, even if you spend one hour with the family, but it's quality time, and then you have eight hours of work, and then a one hour of run, you, you still maybe eight hours of work and two hours of family and training, but it's still quality wise, it's the same. And that's what, that's what I'm hearing from what you're saying. That makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. And that's where it goes back to my view of integrated holistic view of it versus uh, balance, right. Or looking at each of them individually and thinking about allocating uh, hours to each of these uh, three parts of how you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like equity versus equality, right? <laughs> yeah, well said. So um, one thing I wanted to, you to share with the audience is uh, maybe three beginner's mistakes that you would want to tell people to avoid uh, while if they want to start an ultra journey. Yeah, you know, um, I, I probably am not... Uh, you know, as a, you know, as a, as a extreme athlete or, or so on, but these are what I follow. And I think this will help people. Then it's good. Uh, I have a very simplistic way of, you know, listening to your body and, and thinking about uh, not overthink what the challenges you have and the commitments you have and, and look at challenges as unsurmountable. I, I tend to break them down. And so the same thing for ultra runners. If you're going from a 26.2 to a 50K, think of it as just 4K, four miles more. That Actually, that's what it boils down to. It's only a four mile distance more. The fact that it is 2,000 or 5,000 or 8,000, if you break it down into a simple bit, um, I would say it, it, ha- it tends to make the problem simpler when you are getting to be an ultra runner, want to be an ultra runner, right? So that's one way I think about it, a beginner mistake, right? And I've seen this, people do this mistake, not just with ultra, they do this with marathons also, mm-hmm. they put this big goal of 26.2 and it just feels big, right? Mm-hmm. And then th- that's when you tend to give up, 
the biggest problem i see in the running community is you do one race and then you're done because you've set this up as a big goal and you feel like you've achieved it and then you're like okay i'm done second one we touched on this knowing your why right for me that is so critical because if you don't know you know this marathon any run you will find those lowest of the lowest spots like i went through on the 10500 feet elevation you'll find the lowest of the times when you got to dig deep to say why are you doing this mm. and so very be very clear on your why and and if you do that then you'll dig yourself out maybe the third one i would say in my mind is um it's a journey it's not a competition if you plan to be in an elite athlete none of this <laughs> applies to you but if you are mid pack runner uh, who is trying to bring happiness bring uh, um wholeness into your life by using running you know uh, it's a journey it's it look inwards don't focus a lot on how others are doing use them as inspiration don't use them as a benchmark right and so those are the three main things i would suggest but then more importantly of all of this find happiness in this mm-hmm. you know if you are doing it as a chore you're doing it because you heard somewhere running is good i i tell people run with a smile you know finding that happiness from doing this is so important you know uh, one book i would recommend is um, this actually changed how i look at running it's called running with the mind of meditation Mm-hmm. Um, I'll send you the link. It changed. Um, you know, I used to think meditation was sitting in one place, not moving, and, and someone like me was hard, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I don't do yoga. I didn't do meditation, and so this book actually helped me change my view of how I could bring happiness and meditate while I'm running. And and if you find that happiness, uh, find, try to set that as a goal to find that happiness. that is what i would think uh, um, are my, would be my three suggestions advices uh, sure. for again mid pack <laughs> runners like me yeah yeah absolutely absolutely now makes sense the great great tips and anyone uh, who is uh, looking to uh, aspires to either do push keep pushing i think these are great tips so so what's next on your project what what next are you planning So there are a couple of goals so in the next uh, month or so uh, I want to do a real everesting uh, in the bay area so everesting for people who don't know is you got to go up and down the same uh, peak uh, uh, until you hit uh, 29029 feet elevation and so um, you got to go up and down and so that might get me around 110 miles 120 miles might take me 35 hours or so that's uh, the next goal um in the next 24 hours um next year uh is uh, planning for a triple crown um, tahoe 200 bigfoot 200 and repeat moab 240 wow. um so that's the goal for next year so focusing more on and there are 100 milers um it's funny how your perspective changes uh, i i say oh, there are 100 milers <laughs> in the between but i'm trying i'm, I'm going to run utmb uh spain for uh, it's a 100 mile race uh, all of these are uh, preparatory for the for the for the triple crown so awesome. busy season hoping travel comes back 
Yeah, awesome, awesome. Those are those are awesome uh, adventures and journeys that you've planned out. So, uh, can people? Are you uh, tweeting about these, uh, or are you on Instagram where you where you share your journey? Can people follow you? Yeah, so um, LinkedIn. This is where my professional life and my running life merge a lot. So I'm more on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, I tweet. I, I'm starting to tweet a lot more. So I will put my link in. I'll send you my links. Yeah. But Instagram is where I'm trying to merge my leadership journey with my running journey, where I talk about the hundred miles and the hundred. Uh, I've wrote written a long article, which I think you have a link to on the two for more average. Awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll definitely. share these links on the show notes so people can reach out and follow your journey and we'll keep a close uh, watch on uh, all all the awesome stuff you're planning very inspiring and um, keep keep at it and uh, you know we kind of coming to the end of our conversation here but um, i really want to wish you all the best and uh, keep keep pushing your limits um i mean that we should leave at that keep finding the next keep finding the limits that's that's the mantra so thank you thanks for the time you know it's very inspire it's very it's an it's a noble thing you're doing trying to get people inspire others to uh, with your interviews and conversations with uh, other athletes and, and it's key that they're not just elite athletes they're different phases of athletes and so awesome keep doing that and uh, um i will um, talk to you soon yeah thanks ima we'll keep in touch in touch bye bye, bye.